0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. So, Father, I just thank you for your word today. And Lord, I acknowledge that uh, I cannot stand behind a pulpit and teach or minister without you. So, I thank you for your grace that's upon me, and I trust you, Lord, that you help me to accurately present your word, that it's rightly divided, that it's easy to understand, and it's possible to do. And I ask that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, and uh, of course, as Jade so well said, uh, maybe you were expecting. the Pearsons to be here, but they, you know, as the travel restrictions continue to, uh, you know, go on, it was a safe thing for them to get back. They're too, they're, they're too busy of people to get stranded in another country. And, uh, you know, my wife has a trip planned in a couple of weeks to go to France, but I'm not going to let her go because I'm not going to let my wife get stranded in France. And, you know, the food's good there. and <laughs> Got the French Riviera and all that. She's going to be on the French Riviera, but I, I want her, so I'm going to, like around here, so, <laughs> so I'm not going to allow that to happen with her, so I'm going to say, you know, she tomorrow or the next day, she's got to let her precious friends know over there, hey, you're having a prayer conference, and you guys are capable of praying, just do your <laughs> do your own prayer conference. <laughs> okay, so you know, there's a scripture uh, that probably many of you heard, and it, it goes like this, the little, and there's a reason I'm not wanting to use time to put all this on the board, so I, that's why I'm just going to quote a few things. But you know the scripture that talks about the little foxes that spoil the vine. So that's out of the book of the Song of Solomon's. And this is a Shulamite woman that said this. And this particular lady, she's in love with King Solomon. And so how odd that she talks about a fox hunt when she's in love with King Solomon. And if you think about a a blossoming vineyard, the one thing that can mess that up is little foxes. They go in and they spoil the vine, and they can be a real problem in a blossoming vineyard. So she makes this comment, but there's an application to the comment, and it's related to her coming marriage to King Solomon, and she's talking about these little foxes that can spoil the vine, in other words, we could actually do something about these things that will cause problems in our marriage now, these little foxes that could do that. And so that's the context that it's in. But yet, as many things in the Old Testament and in the New... Sometimes you can take a scripture, and as long as you don't violate other biblical principles, it can apply to other areas. So this scripture has been taught that little foxes that could spoil the vine... It could be strife. And, and the vine is like, when it's taught, like our Christian walk and our, the fruit of our prayers. So we all want prayer fruit. We want our prayers answered. And so it's been taught that if you're in strife and, and various things, which is completely true, there's certain things that can mess up our prayer life, little foxes that spoil that. And uh, so that's good, and I've heard it taught that way, and I received But I'd like to approach it in a different way today because there's there's other little foxes that could spoil our fruit as Christians too. So I want to approach it today with the little fox of uh, not rightly dividing the word of God because the word of God needs rightly divided. And if we do not rightly divide the word of God, it can hinder us from being fruitful. It can hinder our Christian walk and even our prayer fruit. So this is what we want to look at today, uh, go along these lines. Uh, So um, we have a, and and I encourage everyone to get on our our mailing. We just do. We we are not a pestering bunch. So (laughs) if you're on our email list, you'll only get one email a week. There's once in a great while that we send out a special email. You know, but mainly just one email a week. It has our announcements on there, but it has a blog, and I just write a little blog, and I make it really short because I know we're in a a busy world, and so I purposely work on it to make it as brief with bullet points so it gives you something to be encouraging. So there is one that I went out at the end of January, and and it was called, Who is Waiting on Who? In Joshua 18 and verse 3, it says this. It says, So Joshua said to the people of Israel... How long will you put off going into take possession of the land, which the Lord, the God of your father, has given you? And so this is an interesting scripture because, you know, how we rightly divide the word of God as Christians and what we believe, what is God's responsibility and what is man's responsibility, a very big thing for Christians on how do we divide that, how do we see God's do we understand what God's responsibility is in our Christian walk? And do we understand what our responsibility is in our Christian walk? And, and, and based upon that, it affects the way that we think, it affects the way that we believe, and it especially affects the way that we will pray. You will pray totally different if you don't understand God's responsibility and, uh, and your responsibility. So uh, we've, we've been, we just had our 30-year wedding anniversary. Uh, like when, when was that? Last year, right? And uh, and it just seemed like three years. Yeah, but no, I'm just <laughs> just. But anyway, we uh, we we were in Singapore, and we just took a week off in Singapore. We've gotten better at this, but you know, when we first got married, you know, you go visit your friends, and you you know you might go over for supper, and it's getting late, and so, and you and you're thinking, I'm waiting on her, but she's thinking she's waiting on me. And I think our friends are thinking, we're waiting on both of you because we like to go to bed. Um, now, I did that once right after I got saved. I went to visit my brother, oldest brother. I have one older brother and his wife. Don't worry, I'm not going to say that word. I saw her eyes. And I wanted to get him saved really bad. So it was like midnight, you know, and, and they had, you know, a child and everything. And so my brother wasn't saved yet. So he just, I'll just say the H. He just said, Tony, get the H out of my house. I'm tired. You know, and he cussed at me because he still wasn't saved. Because it was midnight, and I really wanted to get him saved. Now I don't know, I don't know, if any of our Christian friends ever thought that. But if you stay too late, but here's my point. I'm waiting on her. I think I, I'm waiting on her, but she's waiting on me, and they're waiting on us, and nobody really knows who's waiting on who. Does that make sense? <laughs> Spiritually speaking. we see the scripture we just read. God says, why aren't you possessing the land? In other words, God promised it to them, and he was waiting for them to go in and take it. So what we want to look at today is, what has God bought and paid for and promised us, and then how can we possess it? Because sometimes Christians, if they don't rightly divide the word of God, they'll sit back and they'll wait to see what God's going to do, and God's already done something about it, and he's waiting for us to do something. It's understanding our responsibilities, who's responsible for what, and it's an important thing, okay? So we could say this about the scripture we just read. When something is promised to us by God, he considers it already ours and expects us to possess it, okay? So that being said, here's what we want to talk about today. Possessing things that belong to us. Really simple, so we're going to look at three scriptures right now and these are three different ways we can possess things that belong to us so mark 11:23 23 it says for verily i say to you unto you and we're going to do a little king james today okay for verily i say unto you that whoever whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but believe those things which he say shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith." so that's one and we're, we're, we'll explain them and then mark 11:23. 23 Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And then Ephesians 6 and verse 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with with which you will will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we're going to look at these in a second here. But before we did, I just thought it was important that I should say this, because after 41 years in Christianity... And it's really not until I was saved for two years that I began to hear comments about these three scriptures that we just read. And I just think it's good for everyone to know that I heard these comments, and I'm very aware of them. And these comments made me dig more into the Word of God. It, I, I, it didn't make me want to fight. It didn't want to make me criticize. It didn't want to make me attack somebody. But it, what it did to me is it made me dig more into the Word of God because I wanted to know is the, how do I interpret these scriptures, and et cetera, etc., so I'm going to just say some things that I heard about these scriptures to, to so you know that I heard, and then you may have heard, and then we're going to address it. So I heard this, that these scriptures we just read, it's not for us today. It was only for the disciples and early apostles. I heard it's for today, but it isn't for every Christian. I heard it can't be for us because it didn't work for me. Uh, and... Uh, and then I heard, that's just a name-it-and-claim-it scripture, or a blab-it-and-grab-it scripture, you know? And maybe you heard that, but but I want to just say that two out of those three scriptures, and God's the Word of God is from God, everything, but two out of those three scriptures, Jesus himself gave those scriptures. And I just, as a Christian, how much I love Jesus, because I... You know, some of you may have been good when you got saved, and you know. but it says, he that's forgiven of much loves much. And I was forgiven of a lot of stuff. I wasn't good before I got saved, and I, I really loved Jesus, you know, because I was, uh, you know, forgiven of things. Okay? So, when somebody accuses my Lord of being a name it and claim it and a blab it, grab it kind of a Lord, I just can't go along with it. Because <laughs> he just doesn't, Jesus didn't waste one word. Jesus, nothing ever came out of his, I mean, like, let's face it, we all waste a lot of words, you know, and I really try not to waste them up here, because I don't want to take your time, so we really want to make words count, but Jesus was perfect. He didn't waste any words, so when he says, when he gives out Mark 11:23 23 and Mark 11:24, 24, I take that with reverent, that word is reverent, okay? So, we heard, and then, you know, this one last one, they Those scriptures, they can't be applied to anything physical because it's all spiritual types and, you know, it's spiritual types and shadows, and it can't be physical. But if that's really then so, then let's just go real quick. I just, like, got some bullet points when I was preparing yesterday about things that were not more than spiritual. So Jesus and the early disciples, they healed people of physical ailments. When Jesus walked on the earth... He was relieving people of sickness and disease, and that was physical. And then after he ascended, the, the early disciples carried it on. And I can tell you right now, if you might think, well, it that stopped with the last apostle. If I had everyone in this building right now stand up that you've been physically healed, then what do you do with that? You know. Um, then God sent a prophet in the book of Acts to warn them about a drought. So they wouldn't starve; they could prepare. Why, why did God care about their physical? Like, why did He send a prophet to warn them about a drought if things are just spiritual? You know, um, and then God warned Paul about danger. Now we know that Jesus prophesied to those early uh, apostles and said that you'll drink of the same cup that I drank. Which unfortunately they they were martyred. You know, they were killed and martyred and tortured. Which we live in Australia, and we don't know what that's like and so we, have, we can have such a blessed life. But um, with Paul, he still didn't finish his work, so he was warned, and he got let down the side of a wall in a basket so he could escape physical harm, and, you know, he was warned by God. And then Paul, on an island, he shook a poisonous snake off of his hand with no ill effects, you know, God taking care of him physically that way and then in Philippians we know that it says if we give once and once again we know that consistent givers that uh, mix their faith with their giving that the Bible promises them that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus so why does God want to meet our, all of our needs? You know, and, I, and I studied that word all in the Greek and you know after study it does mean all <laughs> so do you realize I'm a Greek scholar because I know that all means all um, and then Second Thessalonians three three it says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you against the evil one. So even when it comes to the devil, God wants to protect us. So he cares about us spiritually. He cares about us, uh, our mental, like our soulish realm, spirit, soul, and body. He, he cares about every area of that. So I wanted to say that before we look into these things because it's important, you know, how... How do we divide the Word of God? And, and, and it's especially important not to belittle anything that Jesus said and just write it off. In the times that we're living in, these things even become more precious. Uh, okay, so, even though I heard all these derogatory things about the Word over the years, when I hear these scriptures, in my heart, the deep places, when I say I don't mean my physical heart, I mean my spiritual heart, in my heart of hearts i know that they're true i know that they can work if we somebody once said if you work the word the word will work for you but we want to work the word cuz if we work the word the word works for us you know so i know in my heart that they're right they're correct and if we apply ourselves to it we can have what the bible says okay so with that said, let's go back now and look again and talk about these. Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, if you notice here, uh, there's three kinds of ways that we can receive. So this first way is a sword, because people that have a sword, you can go on the offensive. So Patsy last week did a, a, a wonderful message on being, uh, taking the offensive, and uh, doing that, and she's uh, focused on fear. So notice here it says, whosoever sh- sh- shall say. Okay, so, uh, there's a lot of so's and S's in there, isn't there? Um, <laughs> but anyway, notice how it says you have to say, and then it says to say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt on his heart, but shall believe those things which he shall sayeth. There again is the word say. Uh, shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. So notice there that it says say three times, all right? So this particular way on how to receive our, what God promised us, how to possess what belongs to us, we can actually go on the offensive. And that's why you have a sword there. It's like a, a one way to receive from God. So uh, talking about this a little bit, let's remember now, Jesus said that. Then let's also point out that it says, whosoever. So uh, when I lived in the states, and that's you know we've been not living there for 26 years, but when I uh, used to live in the states, there's a lot of radio preachers. So I'm going down the road one day, and there's a radio preacher on, and he's talking about Mark 11:23, and I really don't understand why when somebody ha- sees a scripture and then they hear somebody teach and preach it, and they portray it in a good way that God cares about us and that God wants to help us and meet our needs. And he gave us these scriptures so we can receive from him. And then you're going down the road and you're hearing somebody try to talk you out of it. So this one radio preacher many years ago in the States, he said, Mark eleven isn't for everyone. It's not for every Christian. And then you think, well, then in Mark eleven twenty four, it's about saying and praying. I thought, well, then if he would be correct, which he wasn't, that means prayer isn't for everyone. And then if prayer isn 't for everyone, how do we make the decision? Okay, so prayers' for you and prayers for you, but hey, hey, you don 't have to pray, just relax you know like you no know, you don't have to labor in prayer don't you know that would be kind of silly to so but these are the silly things that people have done over the years, saying that that isn't for everyone, okay so uh it is for everyone, and it's actually preemptive where he says like you could take charge now if you want to all right so uh Let's let's look talk about this. Like, see, so a mountain represents a problem, a situation, a pandemic. I mean, I, I mean, a, a pandemic. Something that feels removed or dealt with. You know, I said pandemic in the first service, and then I almost did it again, and it's pandemic. And then my wife laughs at me. <laughs> yeah, and so, so I'm going to just tell on her. We're, we're we, we moved to Italy, and she's like, and I'm Italian, of course, and she's kind of like wanting to show everyone she's getting Italian quicker than me. So we're sitting around the table with these Italian pastors, and we're going to have sandwiches. And she says, let me pray for the food. So they said, okay. So she said, grazie, padre, per questi panolini. <laughs> now, and <laughs> you know what it is, because she speaks Spanish. So, well, panini is the word for sandwich, But panellini is the word for diaper. (laughs) So I was thinking, ha-ha. But then, so when she did it, I knew what she did, and I leaned over to her, and I said, are those clean or dirty diapers? (laughs) And then she gave me the old elbow. (laughs) But a mountain represents a problem, a situation, and in our case, in this world today, a pandemic, something that needs removed or dealt with, okay? So, so that's what we want to say, that anything like that in anyone's life, so if you have anything like that, God has a solution for it, and he wants to help us in all of the areas we can think. And then notice in that, that verse, it says to cast into the sea. Casting something into the sea paints the picture of permanent removal, of permanent removal, Okay? And so that's really what God wants to do. And I know sometimes you know, He wants to do so much for us, all right? And then uh, we could say this. Jesus said that when we pray in that verse, He said, if we believe we receive, we can have the things we pray for. So later on, I'm going to say a little bit about how we can help ourselves in the believing area. All right? But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about identifying the mountain, okay? So mountains... Can be identified because they are opposites of what God's word promises us. Let that sink in. Anything that God promises us, if there's something opposite of that, that would be a mountain. So here's like even some thoughts about like plagues, pandemics, starvation, sickness, disease, pain, anxiety, oppression. Depression, fear—we could go on—but th- th- those are big ones. Those are all contrary to what God has promised us. And so, if we desire, we can, we can go to God, and the way—if we apply what He says—we can be relieved of those things. And I want to encourage everybody: it's not something that always happens suddenly and overnight, and, uh, and it's something that sometimes we apply ourselves. But if we continue and we do not quit, every single thing that's contrary to a promise, God will give us the victory in that area. But he has his part, and we have our part. And so just to, you know, to explain something like how we divide the word of God is so important. And so this is real simple, but the Bible says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy But Jesus came to give life, and life more abundantly. So simple, but yet so important. So how we divide God's word is, here's an example. If someone thinks sickness is an example, is a test, they're going to handle it different than they think if it's an enemy. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I personally deal with enemies different than I do with a test. Now, see, you don't want to speak to a test like it's the devil because God does test us. The Bible says he'll test our heart. So what's the difference here to make sure we rightly divide? Well, the Lord might say to you, I want you to serve this way. And you might be thinking, but I wanted to serve that way. I, I got my eyes over here. The grass is greener on the other side, but you're telling me to do this. That's not the devil, and that's not a mountain. That's the Lord testing us to see if we're willing to be faithful And don't speak to that and get rid of it. (laughs) You know, you see the difference there. So when he says do something, it's up to us to submit and do it, and that would be a test. But the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's an enemy. And we deal with enemies different than we deal with tests, okay? So God is on the throne, and God is sovereign. But if we think God in his sovereignty would violate his word and send sickness to test us, then we're at a disadvantage. So is God still sovereign, and is he still on the throne? The answer is yes, but we have to understand how do we divide the word? So anything, that when Jesus came, anything that Jesus died, and he bought and paid for, and we have a promise, God in his sovereignty sent Jesus And Jesus did all of that, and now it belongs to us, so God is sovereign in that. So God in his sovereignty provided that. But then there are things like the gifts of the Spirit. And the Bible says about the gifts of the Spirit, it says to desire the gifts of the Spirit. And so then with that, it also says that there are manifestations of the Spirit. And they're as the Spirit wills. In other words, they're not as we will. All we can do is desire and pray for them, but they're as the spirit rules, so God is sovereign in that. So we do our part. What's God's responsibility? We desire those and we pray, but then they get manifested as God wills. And of course, some of them, like simple prophecy and various things, they they happen, and I don't want to get into that right now. But you understand, we have to rightly divide the word. So I would never say that God isn't sovereign, and some people have because they go to one side, and then other people go to another side. But what we want to do is we want to be in the middle. God is sovereign, but understand his sovereignty. In his sovereignty, he sent Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ died, and he bought and paid for things, and they've been promised to us, and we can possess them now. But then there's this other side. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, because God is sovereign. And so he's, you understand rightly dividing the word of God, very important. So this... Uh, this uh, and that's all I'll say about it. Let's look at another one, uh, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. It says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And so there is a hand, because like Mark eleven twenty three, 23 is like going on the offense with a sword, but then this is more like receiving with a hand. And, and so there is a man, he's in heaven now, and uh, what, what a privilege it was for me to learn from him, and I felt like he was rightly dividing the word of God, so I, I appreciate that. He was on a deathbed in his early teens, and he, this, is doctor, this is documented by doctors, because sometimes people say, oh, well, where's the documentation? I don't believe that. Well, the doctor said, you have three different diseases, and each one of them in itself, by itself, will kill you. So you really have three different things that will kill you. And he's going through the Bible. And so the first, he, ran, he had a little thing... His mother, he called her a, a world-class worrier. She really worried a lot. And so it got on him. You know, my mother was a world-class worrier. You know, and you got to keep that stuff off you. It can just jump on you. So he was going through the Bible, and he saw that casting your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you, and he found some scriptures. And he, So the first thing that he got an understanding of was to help him receive, is he got, had to get all those cares off of himself and cast his cares on the Lord. And he started start doing that. But then he ran into another scripture, and that scripture was Mark eleven twenty four, 24, that when you pray, whatever you pray for, believe you receive. But you know, one of the keys that helped him do that is he also understood he saw in Isaiah chapter 53, the wonderful chapter that the prophet Isaiah, he saw ahead and saw Jesus, and where the scriptures say that Jesus himself took our sickness upon him. Now, there's scholarly books on that, and, and there's a man named T.J. Macrosson who was a Hebrew and a Greek scholar, and he wrote a scholarly book on that because some people struggle. Is healing in the atonement, that's the sacrificial work of Jesus, or is it not? And so how we divide the word of God will make a difference on how we think, how we pray... And, and all that, okay? So this man I'm talking about, he believed that healing was in the atonement. If you believe healing's in the atonement, then you believe it's for every Christian. And it's available to the whole world, but they have to come to him, come to Jesus and get saved. But so for us, where do we stand? Do individually. I know that I choose to believe that healing's in the atonement because if I wouldn't believe healing's in the atonement based on somebody's experience... So sometimes people don't receive healing. But Jesus died for the whole world and sometimes people don't receive salvation. And so do we base what we believe on an experience from somebody else or do we look at the Bible and study the Bible and think that's in the Bible and I believe it? It's so important. So how we rightly divide the word of God, especially in the time that we're in. So if we believe that healing is in the atonement and it's for everyone, that's a big thing right there. And, uh, and so... Even the word that came out, like I had uh, that word was a fresh word that that I prophesied. Forgetting things that are behind, those are both victories and a defeat. So maybe you prayed once and maybe you didn't receive results. And then did you come to a conclusion? Well, that doesn't work for me, or it's not for everyone. Or instead of that, study the Bible, get really grounded in it, and say, I might have had an experience where I didn't receive but I'm still going to apply myself, and I'm still going to go after what the Bible says is mine. Amen? So long story short, this man's laying on his deathbed. He got a hold of Mark 11:23. He came to the conclusion that healing, uh, that healing was in the atonement. That meant it was for him. And so he prayed, and he believed he received. Long story short, he impacted the world with his ministry. He lived till he was 87 years old. My wife happened to be in in Oklahoma when he went home to be with the Lord and she found out that the doctor said his heart was the biggest problem when he was laying on his deathbed. The strongest organ in his heart when he died at 80, I mean in his body at 87 was his heart. That was, the doctor said his heart is so strong. He didn't die of a heart attack. Okay? So this is is important. Let's look at the last one. Uh, uh, Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so here is another way that we can take the promises of God, and you know, you can do like prevention. So some of you that have been with us for a while, you know I've told the story about my mother and father. They ordered a magazine. It gets mailed to your house. I don't know if it's still, I haven't lived in the States for 26 years, so I don't know. It's called Prevention Magazine, and really the underlying thing is they want to sell supplements. And they probably made a lot of money because when I I moved away from home and then I went back and lived at home for a little while and then so I got up in the morning and my father did this before he went to bed at night he made two piles of vitamins and supplements and I said dad what's that for He go well that's your mother's pile and that's my pile this is for your joints and this is for your you know your your whatever you know all the blood and all the stuff that and this is this and and so what it was is it's prevention if we take these things. They didn't even have any problems, but if we take them, we won't have problems. It's prevention. Well, the shield of faith is kind of like prevention. Why, why not put up a shield? So there's a man, he's up in heaven now. His name is Charles Caps, and uh, he tells a story on how he had his own little propeller airplane. I think those were like back then maybe 250000 not real expensive to have a little twin... You know, single-engine propeller plane, and he flew all by himself. He didn't have a a co-pilot or anything like that, which I think is risky just being up there alone, but he's flying back from after preaching a meeting, and he gets a very sharp pain in his side. And so when he landed the plane, he thought, this is bad. He, He drove himself to the emergency room, and then when they looked at him in the emergency room, they said something very unusual here. Your appendix has bursts, it, it, it burst, and, and if I'm sure we have a number of nurses sitting here, people that know medicine. You only have so long to get to a doctor if your appendix burst to get the poison out of your system or you're dead. They said, very unusual because your appendix burst, but there's like an invisible sack in there, and all the poison is contained in this sack. We don't even know what the sack's made out of, but it's all just contained there. So they just sliced them open, took it out, and sewed him back up, and, and he was okay, but he was one of the most diligent people that you could find when it comes to putting up that shield of faith. He, he made up, you know, sometimes people laugh about it, and they'll say, well, that, that's, that was for that time, but we've moved on. Uh, there's more relevant things. This is always relevant, and it's really what we should build our life on. So, you know, we, there was like the great you know God will emphasize things so there was the great healing revival that they had tent ministries and then it was followed by a teaching revival and then it was like followed by a joy in the Holy Ghost uh, like awakening thing but then then the, it's almost like the leadership revival where great teaching on leadership but they're all important and just because God emphasizes one thing doesn't mean we throw away another thing we can take something from all of those so we we can become better leaders in, in the ministry because there was great leadership teaching. We can uh, understand joy and laughter. You know, we can be, understand that it's good to be able to teach the word and rightly divide it. We can you know, learn things about healing. We can put it all together and not throw anything out, but it doesn't mean we depart from anything. And so this, this uh, is very important. So John G. Lake, here's another one. He, he's been home in heaven for a long time but he uh, went to Africa during a pandemic. It was really bad, and this is written. I'm just going to read it. It says, he proved to local physicians... So these are scientists and physicians that were right there when somebody says there's no proof. He proved to local physicians that the germs would not live on his body due to the Holy Spirit alive in him. He actually verified this under a microscope showing that the germs died upon contact with his body Those who witnessed the experiment stood in amazement as Lake gave glory to God, explaining that it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that just as long as I kept my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the spirit of God will kill it. Now, He believed that with all of his heart. That's why it's so important. Where do we stand? How do we divide the word of God? What do we believe about God's word? And then when you really get convinced, you feed on that word. And and then you release the word. And you can release it like a hand. You can release it like a sword. You can release it by putting up a shield. Different ways to release the word of God. Praise God. So we can say it, we can pray it, we can raise up that shield. So one last verse in Romans 10, 17, it says, consequently, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. If we just use these principles, and it's that word that came forth about approaching him in a fresh way and feeding on the word of God, faith doesn't come, it it doesn't work because it's something we heard It works because we are presently hearing. And I know them, because after 41 years, I've had healings, I have had healings happen, but the next time something happens, I can't live off the past. I have to go back to the Word and feed on it again. And if I don't, so just because I'm a pastor and I can stand up here and teach, I still have to go to the Word and feed. And if I don't, it's at my, you know, disadvantage. So that said, let's close up with these I just want to share really quickly four kinds of confessions. And these are important. So if you're here and you're a Christian, the first kind of confession is the confession to be saved. You confess Jesus as your Lord, and you got saved. That brought you into the kingdom. Then once you're in the kingdom, there is this confession. It's the confession of sin. That's 1 John 1-9. When you miss it as a Christian, you can run to him, and you can confess that sin. And it says he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all un- unrighteousness. And it does not you're the righteousness of God in Christ, but it doesn't mean you're unrighteous. It means your act, your behavior was unrighteous. And you go to him and confess it, and he cleanses us of that. And then there's this confession, it, the confession that leads to faith. And what is that? That's like meditating on the word of God. That's like when you choose to go to God's word, go to him in a fresh way like you've never heard before, like hungry, and feed on that word. Because like it's, it's dangerous to think, well, I've heard that. I already know that. Because it's always good to go in a fresh way to the word of God and feed on it. So that's the confession that leads to faith. And what do I mean by that? Well, the next one is the confession of faith, which is Mark eleven twenty three, Where Jesus said, speak to the mountain. And when you speak, believe what you say will come to pass. Now, just a real quick last testimony here. Here. Uh, our wonderful David Sweet. Does everyone know who David Sweet is? He's, he's an elder here, and he's preached here. Can you just stand up so everyone can see your uh, handsome face? Uh, so what month did you receive that report? June of 2019, he received a report that he had three months to live. Okay, And so that's, he's here. Now, <laughs> n- now. <laughs> Yeah, thank, thank the Lord. But based, you know, whether he, that happened or whether it doesn't, we still believe what the Bible says, and we, no, no experience changes what we believe. Uh, whether, you know, but that said, this, these two confessions, he said what helped him, and he has a U- on YouTube, you can actually go listen to his testimony. It's about 40, or, I listen to it, it's 40 or 50 minutes. I enjoy listening to his testimony on YouTube. But he talks about how the confession that led to faith and the confession of faith, and how that was really a help to him. So you can hear how, but nonetheless, he, he never believed in, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, he never himself wanted to go do that treatment. What's it called? Chemo. But he said the Lord surprised him and says, do the chemo and mix your faith with it. So he went that route. And he did exactly what the Lord says. So, and and the, the doctors are still amazed because how fast and how, how he's so clean, everything is perfectly well in his body so it was a combination with the doctors and his faith that he's sitting here completely healed and he's ministering healing to people but he said what helped him was understanding the confession that leads in other words he went to that word and he's he pastored many years he can preach but he went to that word in a fresh way and he fed on it we never want to think that we arrived and we know it we humble ourselves and go to the word in a fresh way it just makes such a big difference so ran out of time for today. Father, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you, Father, we trust it as we teach and preach your word, that it helps people, Lord. Helps us to walk our Christian walks. Helps us, Lord, in every single way, Father. Uh, before we leave today, Father, just want to make sure if there's anybody with us and they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Father, I pray that during this meeting that you were showing your love toward them, that your Holy Spirit was just surrounding them with your love, that you were reaching out to them, that you were letting them know that they can't save themselves, their good work, Being, being a good person doesn't save you, giving money to somebody doesn't save you. Nothing we do can save us, Father. I just thank you that if you really made that clear to people, there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father, the creator of this universe, the only one God, except through me. Thank you, Lord, that you make that clear, that there's only one way to heaven, and that's receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at rhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.